1 Samuel chapter 23. Then they told David, saying, Behold, the Philistines are fighting against Goliath, and they're robbing their threshing floors. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and smite these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and smite the Philistines and save Goliath. And David's men said unto him, Behold, we're afraid here in Judah. How much worse have we come to Goliath against the armies of the Philistines? Verse 1 through 3. Now, David didn't have a very brave army at this point. I mean, these guys said, Hey, man, we're afraid here. It's even worse if we go against the Philistines. So David inquired of the Lord again, and the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to Goliath, for I will deliver the Philistines into your hand. So David and his men went to Goliath, and they fought with the Philistines, and they brought away their cattle and smote them with a great slaughter. So David saved the inhabitants of Goliath. Now it came to pass when Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, had fled to David, that he came down with an ephod in his hand. Now, it was through the ephod that they inquired of the Lord. And so it was told Saul that David was come to Kaliah. And Saul said, God has delivered him into my hand, because he has gone into a walled city. Now we can surround him and capture him. So Saul called all of the people together for war, to go down to Goliath to besiege David and his men. And David knew that Saul was on his way down. So David inquired of the Lord, and he said, Lord, will the men of Goliath deliver me into the hands of Saul? Verses 4 through 11. Now, David had just delivered the city from the Philistines, but yet the men weren't really faithful to David. And the Lord answered and said, Yes, the men of Goliath will deliver you into the hands of Saul. So David and now his band had grown to about 600 men. They fled from Goliath and they fled to the area of the wilderness in the strongholds that were in the mountains, the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day, but God delivered him into not into Saul's hands. And David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. And David was in the wilderness, in the woods. And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the wood, and he strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, Fear not, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find you, and you shall be king over Israel. And I shall be next to you, and that also my father knows. Verses 12 through 17. Now, Saul was becoming aware of the fact that God's anointing was off of his life. And Saul knew that David was going to be the king. And what he's trying to do is hold on to the kingdom that he knows is not his. Now, Jonathan, his son, recognized that David was also going to be king. Jonathan said, I'll be your right-hand man. Jonathan is actually taking a very beautiful attitude towards David. His love was so great that he was willing to let David be exalted over himself. He was willing to just be a helper, a right-hand man to David. He was willing to abdicate the throne for David's sake, to step down 
and to let David rule. I know you're going to be king. I'll be your right-hand man. Don't be afraid. My dad won't catch you. He won't find you because this is what God has in mind. And Jonathan was expressing these things to David. So the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. And David stayed in the woods, and Jonathan went to his house. Then the Ziphites came to Saul and Gibeah, saying, Hey, David's hiding with us in the strongholds in the woods, in the hill of Hekiah, which is on the south of Jeshimon. Now therefore, O king, come down according to all your desire of your soul. Come down to our part, and our part shall be to deliver him into the king's hands. So Saul said, Blessed be you of the Lord, for you have compassion on me. Verses 18 through 21. What a phony baloney guy this he is. Unbelievable. Using spiritual language in such evil things. You know it's possible to just sort of get a spiritual jargon going on, and you don't even have enough discernment to know when to use it. You use it even for corrupt things. Praise the Lord, I really ripped him off. <laughs> it's horrible the way people can use spiritual language for such corrupt things. Oh, blessed be you of the Lord, you've shown compassion on me. Oh, not all who say, Lord, Lord, are going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. A lot of people use the right jargon, the spiritual jargon, but they're just not going to make it. It's not what you say, it is which comes out of the mouth. But this dullness of the mouth with blessings out of the same fountain proceeds bitter and sweet water. Blessings and cursings. Such things should not be. So here's the blessing, but soon curses. Go, I pray you, and, and prepare, and know, and find out the place where he's hiding, and who has seen him, and be careful, this guy is very subtle. Take all knowledge of all of the lurking places where he hides himself, and come and tell me of certainty, and I'll go with you. And it will come to pass, if he's in the land, I'll search him out throughout all the thousands of Judah. And they arose and went to Ziph before Saul. But David and his men were in the wilderness of Maon, in the plain on the south of Jeshimon. And so Saul also with all his men went to seek him, and was told David. Wherefore he came down into a rock and abode in the wilderness of Maon. And when Saul heard that he pursued after David in the wilderness of Maon, and Saul went on this side of the mountain, and David and his men were on the other mountain, and David made haste for fear of Saul. And Saul and his men had circled David, and his men had encompassed him to take them. Verses 22 through 26. So, at this point, David is surrounded by Saul's men, and it looks like he's had it. But there came a messenger unto Saul, saying, Haste and come, for the Philistines have invaded the land. Wherefore Saul returned from pursuing David, went after the Philistines, and wherefore they called the place Selah Hamalathkath, which is the crag of divisions. And David went up from there, and he dwelt in the strongholds of En Gedi. Verses 27 through 29. David now headed again toward the wilderness area of the Dead Sea, 
And Getty is about 25 miles from where the Jordan comes into the Dead Sea on the west bank of the Dead Sea. And En Gedi is a beautiful area. The word En Gedi means wild goats. It is a place where there are still a lot of ibex, the wild goats of Israel. But the neat thing about En Gedi, the Dead Sea there, is about 1,282 feet below sea level. And because you are so low, there are springs there because you're actually at a thousand feet below the sea level. And actually the spring of En Gedi is at about 800 feet or so below sea level. It just springs out from the pressure of the underground water and everything. And there's a beautiful spring there and there's the neatest waterfalls and fern canyons and wild fig trees growing up on the sides of the canyons and all kinds of caves around there. Just a beautiful place to hide out as far as, well, you know, you've got your water, you've got your wild goats to eat, and it's just an excellent place for a hideout. A very beautiful little valley in the midst of a vast wilderness. And that whole Dead Sea area is just a vast wilderness. But in Getty is a beautiful oasis. And of course, because of the heat, it stays warm down there year round. And it's very fertile around in Getty. A lot of date palms and they grow excellent watermelons in the wintertime. And, it, and it's just a it's just a fantastic place. And that's where David was now hiding out from Saul there in the strongholds at En Gedi. Chapter 24. Now it came to pass when Saul was returned from the Philistines, they told him, David's in En Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 of his chosen men out of all Israel, and they went to seek David and his men upon the rocks of the wild goats. And En Gedi means, again, wild goats. And he came to the sheep coats, by the way, where there was a cave. And Saul went in to cover his feet, that is, to go to sleep. And David and his men remained in the sides of the cave. So David was hiding in this cave. And Saul came, well, you know, to go to sleep in the very cave where David and his men were hiding. And the men of David said to him, Aha, behold, the day of which the Lord said unto you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand, that ye may do to him as it seems good unto you. So David arose and cut off a piece of the skirt of Saul's robe secretly. Now it came to pass after that that David's heart smote him because he had cut off Saul's skirt. I mean, he did it and thought, oh man, this, that's not right. This guy's a king and I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have cut his skirt off. And he felt bad about it. And David said, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master. The Lord's anointed to stretch forth my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David stayed his servants with these words, and he would not allow them to rise against Saul. But Saul rose up and went out of the cave and went his way. The men, of course, wanted to do Saul in, and, and David forbid them to do it. And after Saul had gone down the hill away, David rose also afterward, and he went after Saul, saying, My lord the king! And when Saul looked behind, David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed himself. And David said to Saul, Why do you listen to men's words, saying, Behold, David is seeking to hurt you? 
Behold, this day your eyes have seen that the Lord delivered you today in my hand in the cave. And some of them were begging me to kill you. But I said, I will not put forth my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Moreover, my father, see here, here is the skirt of your robe in my hand, for in that I cut off the skirt of your robe, and I didn't kill you. You ought to know and see that I have neither evil nor transgression in my hand. I have not sinned against you, and you're hunting my soul to take it. And the Lord judged between me and you, and the Lord avenged me of you. But my hand shall not be upon you. As says the proverb, Proverbs of the ancient, Wickedness proceeds from the wicked, but my hand shall not be upon you. Verses 1 through 13. Now here's an interesting proverb. Wickedness proceeds from the wicked. It is the same as saying a man sins because he is a sinner. You see, we often think, because I sin, I'm a sinner. No. Because I'm a sinner, I sin. You say, well, what difference? It's, it's an important difference here. Only horse thieves steal horses. If you were not a horse thief, you couldn't steal a horse, no matter what the circumstances were. Stealing a horse doesn't make you a horse thief. It only proves that you are one. If you weren't a horse thief to begin with, you could never have stolen it. The same with sin. Sinning doesn't make you a sinner. It only proves that you are. I am a sinner by nature. If I try to deny my sinful nature, I'm calling God a liar. His truth isn't in me. All of us are sinners by nature. And because we are sinners by nature, sin is the fruit or the effect or the result of what I am. I sin because I'm a sinner. Now, even so, in Jesus Christ, I am now righteous. Therefore, the righteousness that I do doesn't make me righteous. I do it because I am righteous. Because of God's work in my life, in making me righteous, I do now the deeds of righteousness. But we've got to keep in our minds from this fallacy of thinking, because I do deeds of righteousness, I am righteous. Not so. But wickedness proceeds from the wicked. If you're wicked, wickedness is going to proceed from your life. It doesn't make you wicked. It only proves that you are wicked. So it's an interesting proverb of the ancients. It's, it's a true proverb indeed. And it's in keeping with the basic doctrines of Scripture. After whom, David said, is the king of Israel come out? Who are you pursuing? You're looking for a dead dog. You're looking for a flea. The Lord, therefore, be judge and judge between me and you and see and plead my cause and deliver me out of your hand. And it came to pass when David had made an end of his speech that Saul said, Is this the voice of my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. Oh, my son David, oh, my son. And he said to David, You are more righteous than I, for you have rewarded me good, whereas I have rewarded you with evil. 
and you have showed this day how that you have dealt well with me. For as much as when the Lord had delivered me into your hand, you did not kill me. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him go away well? Wherefore the Lord reward you good for you have done to me this day. And now behold, I know well that you shall surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. Verses 14 through 20. He knew it, and yet he sought to fight it all the way. He knew what God's will was, and he still sought to fight the will of God. And the Bible says, Woe unto him who strives with his maker. Isaiah 45, 9. How many times people are trying to fight what they know to be the will of God? It's sad, but true. Saul expresses now, I know that someday the kingdom is going to be yours, and it's going to be established in your hands. Swear now, therefore, by the Lord, that you will not cut off my children after me, and that you will not destroy my name out of my father's house. And so David swore to Saul, and Saul went home. But David and his men went into the hold, verses 21 through 22. Lord God, let us follow your will, Lord. Father, may we not battle with you over the things of your will, the things that you want for our lives. May we just bow our hearts to you, Lord, that our lives be rich and full in your glory and in your righteousness. Father, help us today. Help us become the people, the man, the woman, the child of God that you want us to be. Father, we pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus the Christ, our Messiah our salvation, and our God, and all God's children so.